Hello, everyone. Welcome to How to Read Chinese Poetry podcast. I'm Zhong Qicai, the program host. In this podcast program, my colleagues and I aim to introduce cutting-edge scholarship on Chinese poetry to a broad general audience. We will present 52 episodes covering the major poetic genres developed over China's long history. Each episode features close reading of one or more of the best-known Chinese poems, with an aim to illuminate their literary greatness and cultural significance. For all the discussed poems, Chinese texts, English translation, romanization, and brief notes are provided at our website, howtoreadchinesepoetry.com. By following the 52 episodes, listener will gain a bird's eye view of the thematic, formal, and generic evolution of Chinese poetry from antiquity to the modern era. Instruct and delight is what we wish to accomplish in each talk. Without further ado, let's begin. Today, Professor Yi Li will present her second episode entitled "Who Is the Boss." Let us welcome Professor Li. In this episode, the theme is "Who Is the Boss." The period covered by Zhou Zuan was an age of division. There was a multi-state system with the Zhou King as the nominal ruler of the entire realm. Various states vied to become the overlord or hegemon. The Chinese word is ba, a leader who would be formally acknowledged by the rulers of the other states as a sort of first among equals. This overlord would be approved by the Zhou King and would try to maintain stability. Winning the status of overlord is the implicit concern in several scenes of reciting poetry in Zhou Zuan. We will look at two examples. The first example is dated to 637 BCE. This is also the first example of reciting poetry in Zhou Zuan. The context is the story of Chong Er, a Jin prince who is at that moment exiled from his state. He will later become the ruler of Jin, posthumously honored as Lord Wen of Jin, and then later still he will become the overlord. At this point. During Chong'e's wanderings, he has come to the court of Lord Mu of Qin. During their meeting, we are told that Chong'e recites the Yellow River, and Lord Mu of Qin recites the Sixth Month. So, what does this mean? The Yellow River is not in the extant classic of poetry, but is mentioned in a recently excavated text. If it describes the Yellow River flowing to the sea, it may imply the comparison of Chong'e, this exiled prince, with the Yellow River, and of Lord Mu of Qin with the sea. That is, the recitation is meant to honor the Qin ruler, Chong'e's host. Lord Mu of Qin recites the sixth month. 
The poem is set during the reign of King Xuan of Zhou, who reigned almost two centuries earlier. It praises the successful northern expeditions of the Zhou leader, Yin Zifu, against the Xianyun barbarians. This is the first stanza of sixth month. Sixth month, first answer. Disquiet and tumult in the sixth month, the chariots of war are already in order. Our four steeds are strong and stalwart. Our carts bear the customary gear of war. The might of the Xian Yun is ablaze. That is why we feel the urgency. By royal command, we are going to battle to save the king's realm. The last two lines of this stanza, by royal command, we are going to battle to save the king's realm, become a kind of refrain on the nobility of the mission. Thus, at the end of the second stanza, we have these lines, by royal command, we are going to battle to assist the son of heaven. The poem also praises the commander Yin Zifu. Cultured and martial is Zifu, the exemplar for myriad domains. The poem ends with a feast. The victorious Yin Zifu celebrates with his friends, and one of the friends is called Zhang Zhong. He is described as the filial and fraternal Zhang Zhong. So why does Lord Mood of Qin recite this poem? He's saying that the mission of defending the Zhou king is his goal. He may be inviting Jin to join this effort. If Chong'e ever succeeds in returning to Jin and becoming the Jin ruler, Lord Mu of Jin seems to be saying, then he can become an ally. Lord Mu may also be comparing himself to Yin Zifu and Chong'e to this filial and fraternal Zhang Zhong. The choreography gets interesting. After Lord Mu finishes reciting the sixth month, Chong'e's follower, Zhao Chui, said, Chong'e bows in gratitude for the bestowed gift. Chong'e bowed respectfully with his forehead touching the ground. Lord Mu descended on the steps and declined the honor. Zhao Chui said, you, my Lord, have issued order to Chong'e Claiming that he is the one with the means to assist the Son of Heaven, would Chong'e presume not to bow? So what is happening here? Zhao Chui is saying that Lord Mu intends to compare Chong'e to Yin Zifu. According to Zhao Chui, Qin is pronouncing Jin's future greatness as the defender of the Zhou King. In other words, the Qin ruler means one thing, and Zhao Chui creatively misinterprets him. As it turns out, when the Zhou King is in trouble two years later, Qin and Jin compete for the position of the king's defender. By then, Chong'e has become the Jin ruler. So they're going to compete, but we already see the seeds of competition in the way Zhao Chui manipulates the meanings of six months. 
The second example is dated to 541 BCE. In this scene, the Chu prince, Gong Ziwei, articulates his ambition by reciting a poem and is checkmated by the Jin leader, Zhao Wu. This is the passage from Zhou Zhuan. I quote, Gong Ziwei offered Zhao Wu a ceremonial toast and recited the first stanza of great brightness. Zhao Wu recited the second stanza of lesser. Great brightness or Da Ming is one of the six poems in the classic of poetry on the founding of Zhou. It tells of the Zhou conquest of Shang. Let's look at the first stanza of Great Brightness. Great Brightness, first answer. Great brightness below, blazing glory above. Hard it is to trust in heaven. It is not easy to be king. Heaven puts in place the heir of Yin and prize from him four sides of the realm. The first two lines, great brightness below, blazing glory above, praise King Wen of Zhou. Gong Ziwei is comparing himself to King Wen. By referring to the fall of Shang, he may also be alluding to his ambition to become the king of Chu by getting rid of his unworthy ruler. As it turns out, he does murder his nephew a few months later after this and becomes the king of Chu. So why does Zhao Wu recite in response the second stanza of Lesser? Let's look at these lines first. Lesser, second stanza. The wise and worthy among men exercise restraint even as they drink. The benighted ones know nothing, become drunk and taken evermore. Let each be vigilant about his bearing. Heaven's mandate does not come twice. These lines are about drunkenness. Drunkenness undermines the claims to authority. Zhao Wu seems to be turning inebriation into a metaphor for all kinds of heedless excesses. He is warning Gong Ziwei against hubris. He seems to be saying, don't be too sure you're on the winning side. One side rises because the other side falls. He is saying, in effect, to Gong Ziwei, you want to compare yourself to victorious Zhou kings, but you may be like the failing Shang kings. The last line of uh, the stanza he quotes is heaven's mandate does not come twice. So that line is like a warning. Zhao Wu is saying to Gong Ziwei, you'd better watch out. Shortly thereafter, Gong Ziwei assassinates his nephew and becomes the true king. He is going to make a bid to become the overlord. Zhao Wu's warning makes no difference. In that sense, reciting poetry may be just a kind of rhetorical compensation for actual weakness. In the next episode, we're going to see Zhao Wu again. He will be reciting poems with some representatives from some smaller states, and we'll see how that works out. Let us thank Professor Li for such a stimulating talk. 
Next Tuesday, Professor Lee will present her last episode entitled "What Does It Mean to Say I Love You." I hope you enjoy the talk. Let's relax and listen to a reading of the poems in Mandarin. 诗经，小雅，六月。六月兮兮，戎居及赤。四母睽睽，在世常服。闲云恐赤。我是用疾，亡于出征，以匡亡国。亡于出征，以佐天子。文武及辅。万邦为谢，张仲孝友。《诗经》大雅，大名，明明在下，赫赫在上。天南臣思，不亦为王。天位因势，始不加四方。《诗经》小雅，小婉。人之其盛，饮酒温客。彼昏不知，一醉日复。各尽耳遗，天命不佑。